Welcome to the Nix, where we talk about pop culture until we can't stand it anymore, and we nix it. I'm Fanny Darling. And I'm Justin Hartung. As always, a quick warning, there may be spoilers for anything we talk about on this podcast, but we're going to do our best to let you know they're coming. This week, we're talking about Blinded by the Light, a new movie based on a true story about a Bruce Springsteen superfan. Your mom? Hey! No, really, your mom? Oh, maybe, if she were Pakistani and living in London. We'd like to start out with a plea to rate and review us on the podcast app of your choice, so please do that. And now we've turned to pop culture this week. What'd you do, Justin? I got a Kindle! Yay! Uh, from you! Yay! And I lost it for a while. Boo! Boo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I found it! Yay! <laughs> so, that is the story of the Kindle. Um, I have been reading on an iPad for ages... And it was hurting my eyes and... Disrupting your sleep. I couldn't read it outside. And I got distracted and would go read bad Marvel comic books. There were lots of problems with my iPad reading. Fanny very kindly bought me a Kindle. Uh, I love it. It's fun. I started reading. Um, I've read Where'd You Go Bernadette, which maybe I finished on my iPad. I think I did. but Because um, <laughs> it was still lost. Doesn't make a good story because it was still lost. Uh, which is the novel uh, that has been turned into a current movie starring Kate Blanchett, which we have not seen, directed by Richard Linklater. Uh, Who we have heard of. A lot of reviewers were basically saying... Skip the movie, read the book. I took their advice. Um, it is, I, I talked about it a little bit last week. It's got a lot of emails, and you're reading a lot of correspondence to get to the narrative of the story. It's still pretty fun. It won me over in the end. It's worth a read. It's very fast. I actually think you'd enjoy it, Fanny. It's a very fast read. Mostly it's fun to imagine Kate Blanchett just right. reading these lines, and I now I feel that. like I don't need to see the movie. Sweet. Um, nothing really profound, though. Uh, I also caught up with the movie from last year. Uh, Yorgo, was it two years ago? Two years ago. Two years ago, uh, yeah. Yorgos Lanthimos' uh, Killing of a Sacred Deer, uh, starring Fanny's favorite, favorite actor, um, Colin Farrell. Who the, if, you, one if the, you're just tuning in this week and haven't gotten that. <laughs> one of the first things I said to her was, He's really fucking good in this movie. He's great. This is the best Colin Farrell performance I have ever seen. Um, I Fanny can cloak out properly over there. Because, I'm just proud. Yeah. I'm proud of him. That's all. It is a very twisted, dark movie. It's funny. I'm. We all know I'm very squeamish. I don't like. You know, this movie opens with like an open heart surgery scene. I, I, I forgot about that. I just kept laughing. I thought it was so funny. I don't know. Maybe it was just in the right frame of mind, but it didn't bother me. I really, we were talking about this earlier. I think he gets at kind of black comedy in a, yep. the darkest, craziest way. And um, I think that's what he wants you to do. I, I think he wants you to laugh. I think he wants you to see the absurdity of what he's presenting. It's a really funny movie. Right? I, I laughed out loud a lot. <laughs> yep. Um, I also thought the kid who was in it, who it turns out is in Barry the, Kehoe. Barry Kehoe. Who's, is he related to Riley Kehoe? He is not. Riley okay. Kehoe is Elvis Presley's granddaughter. Ah. Barry Kehoe is Irish and from Dublin. Okay. And he 
is in apparently the Eternals. Um, so we're excited about that because this kid is good and definitely very really good. scary and twisted in this movie. Yes, he was um, also in Dumkirk. Yeah. Oh, right, right. Yeah. Which, yeah, I don't yeah. remember, but can you blame us? <laughs> no. Um, it was, yeah. It's a great movie. If you've liked his other movies, I don't know why I waited so long to watch this one. I want to go back now and watch uh, Dogtooth, which I still haven't seen. And there's one called Dogtooth the, is a rough sit, but it's good. And there's one called The Alps that I want to see, too. I have not seen that one. Um, but I, I think I might be in the camp of, like, he's maybe our greatest working director. I think I'm, he's great. Yeah. I, I love that he trusts Colin Farrell, even though Colin Farrell said, don't trust me. Um, much like he did with Martin Madonna. He did the same thing of, what? And both of these directors really get Colin Farrell, I think. Definitely. Um, I bought the lobster on sale through my, uh, it was on sale for Prime members, so we own that for five bucks if you're interested in watching it again. Such a good movie. I just, I think he's great, and I and I think that he really understands the actors that he picks. Um, I don't think Kidman was great in Killing of a Sacred Deer, but she's, she's fine. Not she's not yeah. bad. I just... Colin Farrell and Barry, Barry Kehoe were both so amazing. And the kids were good, too. Yeah. There's all sorts of weird kids having to act. Exactly. And it was just the level yeah. of everyone else around her yeah. that made her seem like, oh, maybe your performance was the least of these really great performances. Yeah. And much like I thought he got a great performance out of Nicholas Holt, who is not necessarily the best actor in so The true. Favorite. It's, that's and, a really interesting point. I think yeah. he's really good at bringing out male kind of characters that right. probably have more depth that I think a lot of directors don't know how to capture. Yeah. And to the same extent, I think some directors are really good at working with Nicole Kidman and can bring out layers right. in her. Um, it's interesting. Um, but yeah, highly right. recommended. Me too. I think it's great. And I love I love all his movies. I, I would sit down and watch any of them with you again, including Dogtooth, even though Dogtooth is it's a little bit less funny and more dark. And I feel like we were so mixed when we came out of The Favorite. And that movie, I think I've already mentioned this, has really grown in my estimation. So much. It's just, it's in my brain. It's burned yep. in my brain. Yep. Um, I really want to rewatch that at some point also. Yeah, I, I would rewatch it again. And, and even at the time, it was like, and maybe I wouldn't feel like this sitting and rewatching it. I just felt like it was 20 minutes too long. Yeah. You know, that was it. That was yeah. the only, my, my main complaint was just it was a little bit too much and that felt like oh I got these amazing performances out of these actors and so I want you to see all of the stuff I got yeah and it was just a little it just wallowed in it a I little too much I think that might be true of most of his movies honestly but, yeah. yeah which granted he gets amazing performances yeah, and I, I totally understand, understand how it would be hard to kill your darlings yeah I get that. totally um, I also watched on the complete other end of the spectrum, yes, a found footage movie called Screamers about, uh, I found this on Amazon Was it Prime. porn? Get um, it? Uh, sc- ah! Screamers, porn. <laughs> a found footage porn movie? That would be funny. I'm sure somebody's even tried this. Um, but sure, why not? Um, this Sorry. was, no, no, I like it. <laughs> um, I mean, I don't like it. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Screamers is, okay, this is the only thing I really have to say about it was it had one good idea, which was, you know those internet videos where basically they tell you to look closely at the foot God, of the bed, and then somebody goes, ah, and it's right. a demon that pops out right. in terrible like Halloween store makeup. Yes. Um, that is the premise of this movie, and basically what if it were kind of real, and somebody gets... You know, there's a viral BuzzFeed kind of site that basically is 
wants to investigate these uh, these screamer videos because they get total hits on them, and they go to this person's house, and it turns out it's really like and a, a real demon, demon answers the door and opens the door and goes Wah! eventually, <laughs> pretty much basically. So stupid. I did appreciate at least that that was that demo concept. Um, and then apparently they call those videos screamer videos. That's a thing, I guess. But. Um, all right, moving on to better things. Uh, Raphael Sadiq, uh, great Oakland-born uh, favorite of ours, well, of mine, uh, was in the band Tony, 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 who had hits in the 90s. Uh, he's had several really good solo albums. Uh, my favorite one is called Instant Vintage. It was back probably 10 years ago, actually, at this point. He has a new album called Jimmy Lee. It is about uh, his family, who many of, I think more than one of whom has died of like HIV and disease. And it's a very personal album. He's just dealt with a lot of his death in his life. Uh, this is uh, my favorite song from this new album. It is called This World is Drunk. Let's take a listen. Sure. The paradox is far away. His brain weighs and leaves the turn. His mind is so stressed out. Trying to be a king. When everyone around him sees the clown and they're laughing at him. Raphael Sadiq from his new album Jimmy Lee This World is Drunk I can't argue most of the time um, I also wanted to end on a Nyx uh, it was announced yesterday and seemed like a complete joke and everybody on Twitter was convinced it was a joke until it turned out it wasn't uh, Eva Longoria is directing a movie called Flamin' Hot uh, which is a movie chronicling the supposedly theoretically interesting story about the man who created Flamin' Hot Cheetos. I actually, the only thing I can say positive about this was originally I thought it was going to be about that fucking cheetah. Um, so <laughs> that is going to be some terrible animated movie. Uh, I guess it's a little better that it is about a real story about the guy who created the junk food that's poisoning kids all across America. Um, yeah. I think this is not a movie that we need to see. I want to preemptively, I hate, I'm not a person who likes to preemptively nix something without giving it a chance. I got to do it with this one. I nix movies about junk food origins. I, I, I don't, I, 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 don't understand. I feel like John Hurd in big. I'll get it. <laughs> but I really don't get it. I don't know who sat who sat at the table and pitched this, and somebody said sure, and then they gave it to Eva Longoria. I mean, how interesting can this story be? It's I, like there's a show on the History Channel right now about the Cold Wars in the '80s, <laughs> and it's two hours. <laughs> I haven't watched it, but I've heard people talk about it. Who knows if this is some weird surprise, great flick, and it does not just end up being Cheetos marketing? We will. 
waka waka eat our words oh. um but i'm gonna do preemptive dicks and feel pretty good about that I, i'm i second you All i right. co-sign that should we talk about pose yes so pose had its second season finale um it yeah I, so i guess we're gonna go into spoilers probably yeah, i think we it's have to. too hard to not talk about the show with spoilers so if you've not seen the second season of pose and especially the finale uh bail out now give us we, three minutes yeah we will give you uh one uh he'll walk two he'll walk three Aww. he'll walks um here we go pose okay. what'd you think of the finale of the second season I know this isn't a perfect show, but I am so glad we have this show. I love this show. It's my therapeutic cry. It's my parental empathy. It's my maybe the world isn't so awful if people watch this show. And I'm I'm glad Ryan Murphy didn't go completely to the dogs. Again, we can talk a little bit about what our quibbles are with season two, but I continue to be so proud of this show and so proud that it's on and that it's getting so much attention and that it's getting rave reviews for the actors and, and, and they're getting work in other places and other movies. And I just, I really like this show. And I thought that this season, we even with its ups and downs, I... I thought it nailed so many important things that I didn't care so much that it focused too much on Madonna's Vogue and that, you know, and I know that that was a really important thing when it happened and that, that, that there was, you know, sort of this feeling of, yeah, we're going to be discovered, but also she kind of took it and then left everybody to die on the vine once it was over for her. Cause she was still Madonna. And I wish they'd kind of talked about that a little bit more. I agree, yeah. Um, there was just that one scene where nobody was coming to Ricky's classes, to Damon's classes anymore. And there should have been a little, because I remember people feeling a little betrayed of you took this and you made a ton of money from it and then you just left us here, you know? But I really think this is a good show, and I, I'm excited to see what happens. We can get into specifics of plot in a minute. But what would you think? I really liked it. It uh, was, you know, continued with all of the things from the first season that I loved. I think the things that got better were the performances, actually. I think Agreed. the people that were good settled into kind of more of what they're doing well, especially I want to call out uh, Blanca. I mean, I just I thought she killed it this season. Yep. I agree. Um, I also even think that Electra, our favorite actor she got complained a about, better. she got a little better and sort of owned her camp. And maybe that right. was the, the direction and the writing. Like, she kind of fits the role that she's doing now. It's sort of working on a lot right. of levels. Like, the, the writers bent to her more than they yeah. were like, you can't read this. And so let's figure out how to give you lines that your line readings work. I still love, well, I love slash hate that she won't settle for uh, line readings that don't involve pronouncing both consonants in, yeah. Agreed. in double Agreed. consonant words. I think the guy that plays Poppy is so good. Uh, he's so he good. He is just yeah. a little ball of charisma. Yeah. I think he's great. Um, I don't love Angel crying all the time. That's uh, Yeah, there's a lot of Angel crying. Yeah, that's, it, it's sort of the Claire Danes of Pose. Yeah, you know? <laughs> uh, totally true. Um, yeah, so I, I will say that although I'm generally super positive and backing up all the things that you said about sure. the show, and I'm so, so glad it's on TV, and every time it's on, I'm amazed that it's on right. TV. Um, and it really makes me cry a lot of the time in, oh in gosh, the right ways. Oh my so much. And just really refusing to... 
you know, it, it's really just about like shining a light on this story and these characters and just like not enough time spent talking about these people. And even and these so much more this stories. season where they killed all the rich white people, you yeah. know, their stories. It was yeah. like even this it's season they were like, shut up. Yep. Yeah. And they just know that they have such a good cast and such good stories. To that end, my one big frustration with it, it's a pretty big frustration, and it's a very Ryan Murphy kind of frustration, was the time jump. I just, I, I like these characters so much, I don't want to rush through their stories. Right. And both in the kind of like over sort of arcing plot of this season, but also in that last episode, right. it jumps in ways that just, I was kind of like... Do we can we just spend a little more time fleshing out the day to day here? Like we could have done with two or three less episodes about Vogue, right? And more episodes about the aftermath and dealing with how the salon burned down and those eight months that jumped between getting out of the hospital and going to the ball. And there, there was so much more that could have really been dealt with. Angel's whole being discovered and it ruining her career thing, we could have looked at that, you know, and how she and Poppy leaned on each other. Whereas, I mean, as much as I loved their proposal and I really bought it and I was happy for it, how much more would it have been if we'd watched him support her through this? It felt cliff notesy. Yes, exactly. Yeah, and uh, that's a bummer, and I'm so happy they have a third season. Yes. I am a little worried about Glee season whatever, seven, where, like, the new kids come in um they seemed sweet i I, liked that last scene where they all walked away but i just hope that doesn't mean we're not exploring these other characters more that would bum i hope not too but i Um, think that he expanded the world enough i'm hopeful that we will see paris yeah that you know we will see ricky on his tour that he got and and we'll figure out how that works out for him and pray and i mean billy porter jesus so good Yeah, I also want to say I thought Ricky was really good. This he season. was I so he really good. Came into the. I really agree, bit. and yeah. I I adored. I I wasn't super on board immediately for the him and pray thing, yeah. but after the time jump, which is another thing they could have con- they could have used the time convincing me that this was an okay relationship. But the scene at the ball where he finally yells out, "That's my man!" Yeah. I teared up. I was, and I liked that and i i don't know i'm i'm on board for this show i'm ride and die ride or die for this show Me too and also shout out to your comment uh props to this show for making a joke out of the fact that billy porter can't walk in heels that was the most like so perfect because yeah because kinky boots guys you know that whole scene with them training was delightful. It was I, great. Again, I just wanted more. I was just like, why are we rushing through all this? And Everything felt when so... When they did the ball, when she comes up and she's... And I loved Electra going, you know, come judge for me. And yeah. I thought oh, that, that was, was wonderful. Yeah. And I loved the one who pretended like he couldn't walk and then just started strutting. Yep. The judge, I thought that was great. Yeah. I, I loved that scene to death. The ball I, scenes in the show are pure gold they're just joy they're just joy it's just it's so fun and it's so really like here is a culture that exists outside of your mainstream the media gaze and and it's just pure and and it's about love it's about nobody else in the world is going to be here for you nobody else is going to feed you 
so we'll feed you. Yep. You know, and that's your heart, your soul, your actual stomach. And that's why I like the scene outside when she was like, when on all of that was about, have you eaten? What do you want to eat? Right. Okay, let's take you home and feed you. Yep. We're going to teach you how to work too, but let's take you home and feed you because that's the heart of it. It is such a good show. So what did you watch this week other than Pose? Okay, so we all know how I feel about Danny McBride. This is a thing. The Danny McBride of it all is not always good for Fanny. In fact, it's never good for Fanny. However, the Walton Goggins, the John Goodman, the Skylar Gisnato of that? it all. Skylar Gisnato was in Booksmart. He was the rich kid that, that Beanie oh. um, Feldstein falls in love with. And he was on Santa Clarita Diet. And I think he is great. So I watched The Righteous Gemstones. Two episodes. Okay. I'm going to give this show its season. I'm going to give it all of season one. I will pledge right now to watch all of this season. The first episode is kind of Danny McBride heavy. I I was much more hopeful after the second episode, which is less Danny McBride. Walton Goggin shows up in the third episode, which has not yet aired. But there is still a lot of Danny McBride playing that same character. The, I don't know, I'm an idiot, dumb guy, posturing, thinking he's, because he has money or some sort of talent, that he's worthy of something. And... This could be a very interesting character if Danny McBride wasn't in his head a 13-year-old that just wants to draw dicks. You know, like, I, I picture him as the kid in American Vandal who wants to draw dicks on things. Right. Um, and as good as the performances are, so far, it's not going any further with the evangelist family thing than, oh, look, some evangelists do, evangelists do cokes and hang out with sex workers. And scan the scandal is. Now, that said, okay, so Righteous Gemstones we've talked about on the show a lot. It's basically a tear-down piece about a family of televangelists. John Goodman is the father, uh, Danny McBride and Adam Devine, who... Adam Devine's character kind of plays one of these hillsongy, like young, hip Christian guys. He's good. His character is kind of interesting. He's obviously probably the most true believer of the children, um, but and yet is sort of. It's only been two episodes. I feel like he may have some questions around his sexuality, and maybe that's where his character's going. He lives with an ex-Satanist that he has reformed who is great. The character is fabulous. The actor is great. He played Ozzy Osbourne in that Motley Crue teardown thing. Or not teardown, but like fictitious, whatever you call them. Um, he's The character is really interesting, and now he's super devoted to the Adam Devine character and, and almost lives with them. And may they may be in love with each other and neither one of them know it yet, which is interesting. And But Danny McBride plays the oldest brother who, you know, then they have like 12-year-old immature fights, and that's supposed to be funny. And I just... I wish Danny McBride would write things and get somebody else to play his roles. Hmm. As I don't know that he has, he may have the emotional depth as an actual human being, but he doesn't as an actor to put enough layers in his 
roles to really get what's go you know what's going on um or to really convey the layers and the nuance in a character and i don't there's also a sister who just wants daddy's love and she, that seems to be her one note the actor's good but however I have read that this gets a little bit more interesting. It does have, uh, it seems to have a more, like a plot that there's like a mystery, they're being blackmailed. It seems to, like it, the world could expand and I've heard that it does get better and Walton Goggins shows up next episode as a gray-haired, uh, big-toothed, imagine, uh, televangelist named like Baby Ray something. God, somebody was made to... Like right, crazy van, right, and he's him. got a line that's like, "You have me selling, you know, you're. I'm opening a bo- uh, mall, a uh, church in a mall, and then they immediately show him turned on in front of the crowd, where he goes, you know, you can buy jeans at the mall, and now you can buy Jesus, but you can't get him on layaway. <laughs> um, and uh, I would join this guy's religion. I really would. Like Goggins is that charismatic and really gets characters. So. I will report back at the end of the season. I don't want you to watch it until I have gotten to the end and see if it's actually worth me saying get through it. I might try it. You've sold me on it a little bit. I I think it's going somewhere much better than any other Danny McBride thing I've seen. And um, there was one big reveal at the end of episode two that I felt like was super obvious. All right, don't spoil it. I won't. Okay. I'm interested to see if you're going to, if when you watch it, if you would know. I... It's a solid six, hoping to go through an eight. Nice. I'm still there. So I'm sorry, that was a lot on that. I also watched uh, Showtime this weekend is premiering on its regular channel. Uh, Kristen Dunst and Alexander Skarsgård in a show called On Becoming a God in Central Florida. However, if you stream Showtime, the first two episodes dropped. Uh, this is about a woman who has decided that a multi-layer uh, marketing company has taken everything from her and led her to ruin and so since she's actually really good at selling things she signs on to take them down nice it is set in central florida in the mid to late 80s Kristen dunst is great oh i love when she gets good roles it's a very black comedy i this isn't gonna be for everyone this is Darling Nip. This is for <laughs> me. It is about multi-layered marketing. It has Skarsgård. It has Dunst. It's black comedy. I am sad that I watched the first two episodes on the preview because now I think I have to wait two more weeks before a new episode drops. I feel like I'm just going to love this show so much. I adored these first two episodes. It's not without its kind of pacing problems, but it takes Dunst character from drop dead gorgeous and kind of instead of having her have been gotten to be successful you know and become the the announcer or whatever happened to her kind of if she'd gotten married and maybe you know worked her way up to mediocre and it's so good and she gets these characters when she plays these kind of lower middle class trying to just be okay characters she just nails it and she's so good i'm gonna try that one too yeah i i just think she's great and i am always proud of her for some reason i don't know i I think of her kind of as a little sister in some ways in my head i think i've just watched her since she was such a little girl that and she seems like a neat genuine person and she and 
Jesse Plemons named their son Enos, which <laughs> probably isn't after the character in Brokeback Mountain, but I want to think it is, and that makes me love them even more. Um, anyway, I just... I root for her. She's one of those pop culture people that I feel like I know in some way. And, and is underrated. I feel like a lot of people have weird... Exactly. Some sort of weird thing. Like they're Dunstan. jealous of yeah. her or something. Yeah. Okay. And I, I think Alicia Silverstone gets some of that too, That's where true. people are like, eh. And it was like... Alicia Silverstone, who was in Killing of a Sacred Deer randomly. Exactly. <laughs> and she's so good. Yeah, she was good. I am also reading a book. I am reading The Last Widow by... Karen Slaughter. Uh, this is <laughs> this is a book I have. Yeah, you have bad band names. I have bad <laughs> author names. This is a book I've waited at least two years for. It's uh, the last one that I talked about was a standalone. This is her is one of her series, and it is about the characters that I are near and dear to my heart: Will Trent and his Chihuahua Betty, and uh, also Sarah Linton, who I like, but mostly Will Trent and his Chihuahua Betty. Picture. Zachary Quinto with two more inches walking a teeny tiny little chihuahua that he didn't mean to adopt that he adopted by accident on a pink leash. That's Will Trent and Betty. Nice. Okay. <laughs> and there's often some icky like violence in them, but she's a page turner and she just her plots work. It's not the best writing. Will Trent is a great character. You really root for him. And I, I recommend these books. They start with uh, Triptych. Sarah Linton also has a series called the Grant, Grant County series. They weren't my favorite. I went. I started with Will Trent. It, the Sarah Lintons came out first. I would really say go to Will Trent if you ended up liking it. It doesn't matter that there's too many spoilers. Then go back and read Sarah Linton. But I think they're worth checking out. They're fun. They're fast. Her dialogue is great. Her relationships are really good. There's some violence that's kind of icky that you don't necessarily want. You can skim. Uh, You see it coming and you can skim. Sweet Bitter dropped its last two episodes out of nowhere of like a six-episode season. So that happened. It hasn't been canceled yet. It landed on on a cliffhanger. So if it gets picked up i'll watch it again but this show is like tapioca it's a fine show i'm fine if it goes away i'm fine if it shows back up power is back for its last season i watched the first episode of that again it's not a great show i'm glad it's gonna get its ending i'm i'm team tommy for anybody who asked but i just really like that actor i think i'm way in the minority for that it's a good show it's interesting it's not great and then Succession. Episode three is basically Lord of the Flies meets Solo. Do you remember Solo? That terrible like thing about where they make the kids eat poop. It's a very. It's based on a hundred days of, so- of Sodom. Oh, I think so. The Italian directors. Yeah, I've yeah. never seen that movie. No, do not watch it. Yeah. It is so not for Justin. I hate that I ever watched it, but it was one of those where like you know film school. the hundred. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The film school. You have to watch this movie, and I didn't think it was great. And basically, oh, it's all about fascism. Well, yeah, because the people sat around going, "We're fascists. What do fascists do?" That's, those were like literally lines in this movie. Anyway, this episode went super dark. It's still a comedy, so I kind of got it. And it was played very, very well. But it was super uncomfortable. My only reason for bringing it up is it had the quote that I am now going to say to you every single time you want to go have a beer. And thank you, Kieran Culkin, for the absolute best delivery. He gives great deliveries. 
of all of his great lines, but of this line ever. He goes into all of these, like, cool, they work at an online media. It's it's based on, uh, it's called Vulture, um, or Voltar, sorry. And it's based, it's kind of a BuzzFeedy type thing. Um, and he wants to pick their brains before they shut it down. And he goes up to them and he goes, Excuse me, gentlemen, can I interest you in one of those IPAs that looks like the runoff from a car wash? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that's 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 us now. I love it. It's yeah. uh yeah, those are those hazy IPAs yep. which I They're hoppy and bitter. Hoppy and bitter, <laughs> but I don't like those actually. I'm yes. over those ones that look like car washes. But it was such a fabulous line yeah. and Culkin nails them. I think my weekly thing will be Culkin's best line on succession. Nice. This week it we'll was it. excuse me, gentlemen, can I interest you in one of those IPAs that look like the runoff at a car wash? I have to try that show at some point again, but I yeah. think you have to really, it much like Killing of a Sacred Deer and those, you really have to know that it knows that it's a satire right. and that it wants you to laugh with it and that it doesn't think that any of these characters are worth a damn. And the performances are just great. They are just great. The scene last week where Kendall as a robot goes in and shuts down this entire company without them knowing it was stunningly good okay that is all i did in pop culture this week you did a lot i guess <laughs> uh let's move on to our main topic blinded by the light uh it is a new movie about a young pakistani immigrant living in london who falls in love with the music of bruce springsteen uh, that music helps him navigate teenage romance evolving friendships and racist assholes in the national front uh, it was directed by, I'm going to probably butcher this name, apologies in advance, Gurinder Chada. I think uh, that's right, actually. Bend It Like Beckham director, uh, which was a movie that a lot of people liked a few years back. Never and, saw it. Um, it stars uh, a newcomer, Vivek Kyra, probably blew that too, uh, as uh, Javed is the main character. Uh, what did you think of this true story about uh, a Bruce Springsteen superfan? I'm going to start by saying... I sat next between you, who I fought with my whole life about Bruce Springsteen, and my mother, who is the reason I love Bruce Springsteen. I was probably at my first Bruce Springsteen concert when I was two. I grew up seeing this man play. He is probably part of the reason I wanted to be a writer. He knows how to tell a story, and I I love Springsteen, and I'll go in later about a lot of things. But I was hardwired to love this movie, and I did. And I loved watching it with my mom and with you, and I thought it was a celebration of creativity and birth of your own self and accepting your family for their flaws and and laying yourself bare and asking them to accept you uh, about... Your friends are your friends, even if they're different. I and how fucked up the world can be and how to try and figure out how to live in it. There's a storm outside still raging. You say it ain't ours anymore to win. That's very much Springsteen and very much this movie. And I loved it. What'd you think? I liked it a lot. I mean, I think it definitely, 
you know, you gotta just be in the pocket for it when yeah. you start. Oh, absolutely. Otherwise, you're gonna, you know, I think there was a New York Times review the guy was talking about cringing and wanting to hide under the seat. I'm like, I think you probably don't like Springsteen. I'm reading between the lines here. Springsteen is, you know, the, the very same reason that Born in the USA was misunderstood yep. was because he makes grand gestures that f- look romantic and um, sort of slightly corny on the surface, but all of the textures underneath and he's often working to undercut those corny textures on the surface and I think that's sort of what this movie did in an interesting way yeah um, I mean when the characters need to burst into song and almost go into like a Bollywood style musical like they just do they that. do it <laughs> because it's it's like what's in your heart at that moment um, but it's also you know very smart I wish there was almost a little more of this but the way that you know, he imagines Bruce Spring, you know, Bruce is being this sort of escape from the, the things that he's suffering as a Pakistani living in London with the racism and um, just financial problems and his family. And basically, he, he holds him up in ways that, you know, are definitely not, uh, you know, wouldn't. Like, he's going to find the same kind of racism in in the USA, and he sort of has this American dream. Which is interesting, because Springsteen wouldn't tell you there's no racism over here. Right, exactly. So it's like an interesting, like, the movie almost sort of, like, dances around that a little bit. Like, you sort of, you know, you want to be like, uh... But it's also sort of about just getting you through in the moment. Right, because everybody has to have something that gets them through, and believing in what... What you know, Bruce Springsteen sings about this better thing, and I need to believe in that, even it's, if there's still some darkness it's in it. Being blinded by the light, yes, I mean, that's exactly. The that's the song, exactly. So, um, and being blinded by the light and believing in something can also make you create and and get through and get your dreams. You know, yeah. and, and and yes, there's always going to be darkness, and there's always going to be reasons not to do things and problems. But if you can, if you have a, a touchstone, if you have a, a secure, as, as my niece carries around, a security lime, then you can do a lot of things. I love that. What? Um, a security lime? What? She <laughs> really in? loves limes, and she'll just hold a lime, and we call it her security lime. She just... So like, her version of a stress ball or yeah, a, pretty much. a yep. fidget or whatever yep. they call those things. Just, and so we joke about, oh, well, I won't say her name, went and got uh, a, her security line. I love and, it. Yes. So this is the same type of thing. Springsteen as a security line so that you can achieve your dreams. Yeah. I do wish they had leaned a little, in a little more to like what his passion was and who his who what his story was as as a person of his own right i don't i think it sort of failed him a little bit as a character in right. that way um but i gotta say uh that actor vivek kara was so fun to watch, watch. um really like just feels like a movie star in the making and uh his his friends and his girlfriend and his family are all everything's really well the drawn. best friend's father was hilarious yeah. he was great it's very sweet. Yes. I mean, it's just a sweet movie. If you do not, if you watch this movie and get no pleasure out of it, like you're probably kind of just broken inside, yeah. and you should just kind of go get some therapy immediately. Right. Um, we're, we're we're hoping for you. We're pulling for you. Yeah. Um, I don't have a ton more to say about it. I really enjoyed the music. I loved seeing it with your mom. Right. Um, that's definitely so for me. You know, something when I was in high school, I was you know the friends in the movie that make fun of him for liking Springsteen, and I was sort of that that side of it and then to sort of 
you know, come around and be like, oh, Fanny and her mom were right, and it took me too long. Um, but it that's also okay. We're happy to have you. Sent me down a rabbit hole of listening through his catalog, pretty much. Uh, me too. <laughs> uh, all the way through. Um, I'm about halfway. I'm only at like. You know, darkness at the edge of town, um, which is an album I never really spent much time with, it's and it comes up in the movie. Really um, good it's one. It's so different than yeah. the other ones. It's definitely his rockiest album. I think so. Um, I think well, the river's pretty rocky. Yeah. So uh, yeah. rocky, like rock, like you know, right. has a lot of rock and roll songs. Yeah. But. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I yeah. It's just, it's a good time. It's a good time at the movies. It is. I, that sounds a little demeaning, but and I, it made me sit and think about some of the things. I mean, I cannot tell you how much Springsteen and Springsteen fandom and things like that sh- from the time I was a little girl shaped my life. Um, I. I never look down to the most basic thing of people, you know, this the men's friendships and how they how especially when we were teenagers and in high school, how, you know, you didn't touch and you didn't hug and you certainly didn't kiss. And it always seemed weird to me. And I think because I grew up watching, you know, Springsteen and Van Zant had a great friendship, but Springsteen and Clarence Clemens kissed on stage on a regular basis and were always hugging and holding hands and. It, it, nobody ever thought that, you know, there was never a whisper that they were gay and it wasn't even brought up. And so for me, I didn't, I always thought that's how men, it didn't occur to me. I was like, well, Springsteen, you know, kisses his men friend and so, man friends, so that's cool. And why is everybody else hung up on it? I mean, I, I remember having these types of thoughts. This is how much I was used to seeing it. Um, I remember the day my mom picked me up from school. I think I was in seventh grade and she told me that Springsteen had gotten married to some, you know, young act actress woman. And I was like, Mom, he's supposed to marry Patty. <laughs> and a year later, he was divorced. He had married Patty. They are still together. They have three children. They're happy. So my one true pairing was Springsteen and Patty, and it happened. And there's so many of his lyrics that have gotten me through. Right now, the one that's you know haunting me is from Dancing in the Dark, which was you know sitting around here trying to write this book. That's when one's been bugging me this week because I haven't been good at my writing. I just I counted on him as a kid, and and it and it shaped a lot of my mom and I's. You know, we we have friends. I'm not going to say it's the only thing we had in common because that would be ridiculous. My mom is one of my best friends, but it's something we always had even when nothing you know even if we were fighting or we always had this and it's always been special to us and I it sounds corny but the what Springsteen has meant to me is not much less than this kid in this movie and I I thank him and I loved that this movie thanked him too and I just thought it was I I I see that it's sentimental I see that there are things that it has problems but I also really do get it and it it meant a lot to me and I really loved it also talk about a movie we just need right now yeah um yeah yeah. So, and we also, as a little bonus, got to see the preview for the uh, Western Stars documentary coming out from which his new album, great. which we are going to have to go see again with your mom. And That's I love right. that we get to rope her into another movie. So. Yay! She's retired. We can make her go to movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Should we wrap it up? Sure. Let's do it. Uh, you can 
Get us on Facebook at The Knicks. Uh, tell us if you've seen any of these crazy things we've been talking about, listening to, uh, reading, all of that stuff. We've got, we got a lot to chew on there. We're both episode. reading a lot. Recommend books to us. Yes, please. I'm on a book reading jag. Like, please don't let it end. I need some recommendations. Good ghost stories, please. Good ghost stories are always... And also some good... Uh, I'd love some... Uh, biographies like music biographies I'm, I'm running low on those so send those our way you can also send those to uh, motion to at gmail.com uh, or on twitter at the next podcast i'm at justin hartung on twitter and i'm at at fanny v darling on twitter talk to you next week bye